welcome to season three of Through the Word. We hope that this podcast will serve you as you grow to know and to love the Lord. Well, hello, welcome back to our podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us. And I'm sitting here today so privileged to be with my friends Josh and Luke. And uh, so glad that you can join us as well. So if you haven't yet, grab your Bible. We're back in the book of Genesis. Last week, Genesis 12. This week, Genesis 13. More people of the promise. And here we are in Genesis 13, the story of Abram and Lot as they separated um, at the beginning of their relationship. They just knew there wasn't enough room in the land for all their flocks and herds. They had to spread out. So Josh, you, you spoke about that so well last Sunday. Thank you for doing that again. Oh yeah, Helping privilege. us to understand the word of God. But here's a question that comes up at the beginning of the text. Actually, let's read a couple verses um, mm-hmm. near the beginning of the chapter. I'm gonna read from verse five, Genesis 13, verse five. Now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, but the land could not support them while they stayed together. For their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herders and Lot's. The Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. Hmm. That last little phrase is almost, it almost stands out like, why is that included there? Mm. Canaanites and Perizzites, why, why is that important? Those are such important questions to ask, yeah. right? There's nothing in God's word that is superfluous, that was there by accident or is unnecessary. So when we come across something that we say, well, that kind of stands out a little bit. What's that doing there? Yeah. We should really pause, think about that for a little bit. And so, yeah, I did the same in my study time to say, what's the point of that? Mm. I think the point is probably twofold, and uh, theologians seem to agree on the one hand, it simply says, hey, it's not just Lot and Abram that are needing to compete for the limited resources in the land of Canaan at this point, but the Canaanites are there and the Perizzites are there as well. And so there's more people that they're vying with and contending with for these resources. At the same time, there is this uh, kind of sad thing that arises here as you realize and their fighting is happening in front of the other nations. Mm -hmm. So we've reflected a little bit earlier in Genesis on how beautiful it is that as Abram moves to the promised land, he's erecting altars, he's setting them up, leaving them behind, worshiping, calling on the name of the Lord in front of the nations and moving through this promised land, sort Mm -hmm. of already claiming it for God and his people in some ways and, and, and calling them towards God in some ways. And now here they are, God's people, fighting in front of the nations. Mm -hmm. And we say there's something uh, that's especially tragic, I think, about that uh, for the the Canaanites and Perizzites to Mm -hmm. see. It's almost like the opposite of what's supposed to happen. Where the covenant says Abram is supposed to, well, his his nation, his people should be a blessing to all the nations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is an opposite story of that, isn't Mm -hmm. it? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So second question. Why is rivalry sinful and destructive? We see here that there's rivalry in verses 6 and 7, 7, I guess, quarreling arose between Abram's herders and lots. So is that a bad thing? It seems kind of natural, doesn't it? It seems like Mm -hmm. it's what should normally happen when there's not enough space. Yeah. Well, it is natural in that we're flesh, we're fallen humans. So it is natural for us to think of ourselves first, to fight with others. But if we could think about how destructive quarreling is on a lot of levels, um, think of it first maybe on this level. If some of the point of naming that the Canaanites and the Perizzites are there, 
and they witness this quarreling, think of the destructiveness of what it means to this calling of the nations to know and follow Yahweh when Yahweh's people can't get along with each other, mm -hmm. let alone others. Uh, I got imagining that it's a little bit like, have you ever had a time where maybe it's in the summertime and there's a big argument in your home? You guys have never had a big <laughs> no, argument in your home. Really? There's no. a big argument in your home and then you realize the windows are open mm. and the neighbors are outside mm. and they heard you. Mm -hmm. And you think, oh my goodness, I'm so ashamed. And what kind of a witness have I been to others yeah. about what it means to follow after the Lord? Yeah. And uh, so there's a destructiveness there. There's mm -hmm. a destructiveness to our witness. But we could go on. Luke, mm -hmm. you probably have some. Yeah, well, I would just say that chipping into that as well, it's, um, it's, it's an opportunity for competent leadership in step with the vision that God has cast in the, in the promises made to Abraham. And while, and I'm sure we'll get to this, Abraham does that, there also seems to be a place where where there's a lack of leadership provided to the people that are serving under Abraham and Lot. And part of the problem there and part of one of the challenges for us as followers of Christ, I think, out of this is to realize that, that what God has given us in Jesus is more sufficient than we can fully comprehend. Mm. And God's kindness and generosity to us and his readiness to to fulfill his promises as we act in faith and respond in faith often is far greater than, than what we can expect or see because... I speak maybe for myself here, but maybe others can relate. It can be easy to limit what we think God will do to what we can see, what we're capable of, and what our own resources are. And so uh, in this moment, I think it's it's so compelling for us to consider and realize here uh, that what, in a very real way, I think Abraham and Lot and everyone that they're responsible for is is being invited into is to actually say, hey, if, if God is good and generous and capable and going to fulfill his promise, uh, we don't have to live from a scarcity mindset of saying, oh, no, there's not enough of fill in the blank for me or for us. Mm -hmm. But to actually say, hey, we know God has promised to be faithful to us. And so knowing that, how should we live in response to that uh, and in relation to one another? And I think mm -hmm. that's so valuable. Uh, you hear sometimes of, of churches and cities who, yeah, squabble over who attends where or who goes to what mm -hmm. church on Sunday or ministry program during mm -hmm. the week. And uh, especially in our context, uh, right here in Barrie, there's so much need for God that it's our privilege to be people to say, how might we respond to God's call to be a light in our city yeah. by inviting him to work and bring people to himself and trusting that, that he'll do that by making ourselves available to what he wants to do. So, so you'd say on the one hand, it's, yeah. it's tragic because it distracts us from the mission at hand that's yeah. so badly needed. Yeah. And on the other hand, it's tragic because it actually denies, when we have the scarcity mindset, yeah. it denies that God's provision will match his calling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That as much as there are limited resources, yeah. God will ensure they're entirely sufficient for the thing he calls yeah. us to. Yeah. And so it's destructive in those ways. Yeah. Well, you, think, you just think about, quickly, in the New Testament, when Jesus feeds the 5,000, later the 4,000, mm -hmm. and he keeps asking people to, to bring what they have, to say, like, what do you have? In one instance, it's a few loaves of bread, and another, it's five loaves and two fish. Mm -hmm. and, and on a human level, it's like, man, this is totally insufficient. <laughs> insufficient. And if I was the little guy with the five loaves and two fish, I'd probably be like around the corner, just like eating quickly, <laughs> right? Uh, but when we bring that to God, even though it seems like, oh, there's not enough here, God loves to take what we've given and multiply it to do something mm -hmm. extraordinary. That's and good. I think that's the that's in some ways a New Testament parallel to this to say, actually, when we give what we have to God, trusting yeah. that his promises are true, he works in really beautiful ways for his glory and our good. It's so, amazing that uh, when you think of Abram and Lot in this Genesis 13 story, there is a little bit of that 
not trusting in the promises of God, at least on yeah. behalf of Lot. Mm. And uh, think about a, a number of other stories in God's word of similar nature, where there's rivalry because there's not trusting, they don't trust in God's hmm. provision and promises. So Cain and Abel, much earlier. Yeah. Uh, Abraham and Lot, we, we see that in this chapter. A few chapters from now, there's Sarai and Hagar hmm. competing. Jacob and Esau, the classic brotherly rivalry. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rachel and Leah, competition. And then even you think even further into Genesis, Joseph's brothers, mm. so competitive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, in, in so much so that they even sold their own brother into slavery. Um, think about James and John. Yeah. We want to sit on your right and your yeah, left. And yeah, competing comes, yeah. for privilege. And Jesus had to say, you don't even know what you're asking right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then think about the New Testament for Paul and Apollos. Apollos was trying to compete a little bit. Mm. Uh, with his own leadership and and certainly people Paul were viewing it that way, aren't yeah. they? There's this like so that Paul's got to say, "Stop mm. saying I follow Apollos, yeah. I follow Paul," and I've, yeah, maybe more the disciples of yeah instead of the leaders themselves. Um, and then of course Paul and Barnabas, yeah, that was a major rift. Yeah, uh, before that was healed eventually. Um, but think about some of the teaching. So there's a list of sins. And it's very interesting in Galatians five. List of sins there. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, rivalry, Mm -hmm. jealousy, anger, quarrels, conflicts, factions. Isn't that interesting that in the midst of those heavy hitters like witchcraft, Mm. there's rivalry. Rivalry and jealousy. So the Lord takes this seriously. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, as you read through that list, Lee, I'm thinking, you know, many of them had the sins of the people contributing to those quarrels and Mm. it was rivalry and jealousy and things like that behind Mm. it and Mm. um, in some cases it's not quite so obvious Mm. uh, and maybe there was no direct sin involved but but quarrels are going to happen so think about uh, Acts 15 as you said Paul and Barnabas and I mean Acts 15 says there was such a sharp dispute among uh, arose between the two of them that they had to part company and what was it over? It's over John Mark. And are we going to take him on this next mission trip? And uh, is it worth it? Is he a risk, a liability to bring along? And Barnabas, who's so encouraging, is like, bring him, you know, give him another chance. And yeah. Paul, who's, uh, you know, just such an example to us, but also in this case, uh, real. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, who's right to say yeah. we bring him or we don't bring him? Yeah. Well, that's actually not even the point, mm-hmm. is it? I don't think that the Bible ever tries to tell us which way it should have gone. So is there obvious sin involved there? Not, not obvious, but there is a sharp dispute arises between the son of encouragement and the Apostle Paul, the which, Apostle Paul. which gives us reason to say, we're going to have times where we're going to have sharp disagreements too. Mm-hmm. It is inevitable. We mm-hmm. still are flesh. We're not fully sanctified and glorified yet. So those, those disputes will arise. The bigger question becomes, what will we do what about, we do about it? it? Yeah. And then what are the goals that we would move forward towards? Yeah. Just thinking Paul and Barnabas, by the end, there's reconciliation between Paul and John Mark. He's saying, uh, John Mark has been very useful to me mm-hmm. by the end. Mm-hmm. And so we see that, that movement towards reconciliation. That becomes the example. Mm. The going left and going right can be inevitable. Yeah. Paul and Barnabas, they divide up and, and uh, actually God doubles his mission, mm-hmm. uh, his, his mission force there. Mm-hmm. And so th- that's fine. There was mm-hmm. nothing really wrong with that, mm-hmm. I don't think. But, uh, but how they would go about it, that could be problematic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess maybe the final question would be, how do we reconcile? 
if we find ourselves in a place where we have divided from someone, um, mm -hmm. even if it's for legitimate means, but we still feel like there's a, there's a break in relationship, is that, is that a goal? Because we know that eventually Abram and Lot come back together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? There is a reconciliation there. We, we haven't been there yet in Genesis, but we'll get there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Thoughts? Do you want me to start in on that? Go for yeah. it. I th well, firstly, I mean, in, in Genesis 13, Lot is a bit of a, a foil to, to Abraham and or to Abram, who's still Abram at this point. Mm. But I'm, I see God's grace in Abram's life in this passage because just in the previous chapter, Genesis 20, uh, that Ezra spoke on a few weeks ago, we see Abram doing what Lot is doing in Genesis 13. He's, he's depending on his own wisdom, he's looking to the resources he can see in Egypt and, and he's moving out of God's blessing and away from God's designs into a place that seems really promising, uh, but ultimately proves to be very problematic for him. And Abram has, I, I think Genesis 13 shows us that he's grown that he's now willing to live by faith and not by sight. Uh, Lot it maybe isn't there yet, uh, but Abram's starting to recognize that it's better to go into a seemingly even destitute place with God than a, a seemingly abundant place without God. Mm -hmm. and, and what that uh, causes me to realize is that sometimes a big part of that question of, of reconciliation or moving forward together is a right understanding in our personal lives of what it looks like to surrender control. And for Abram, he's reaching that place and actually again and again as we study further in Genesis is going to have to realize what it looks like uh, to surrender to control to God and that when he grabs hold of control and tries to control people or circumstances uh, that it often just blows up in his face. But then when he's living from a posture of saying, I trust God, I'm confident in his ways and I'm going to be obedient to him, that there is a very real aspect where we see God's blessing then poured out in his life and in his family. And so I think, firstly, a good question for us to ask ourselves is, where are we causing rivalry or division and fraction because we're trying to control people or circumstances because our eyes aren't fixed on God mm -hmm. and what he can do and how he can provide? And maybe just a, a positive thing to share real quick from, from my experience leading here at Emmanuel and from the life of our church. Uh, one of the, the real joys we've had in the last decade or so is, is launching multiple uh, church sites, one in Aurelia and then more recently in 2020 in uh, Emmanuel North Barry under Pastor Jordan. And at the time that that church was planted, I was the senior high youth pastor and a number of my youth leaders uh, chose to be a part of the core team going with Jordan to plant North Barry. And what that meant was stepping back from their responsibilities here at Emmanuel. And so there were six youth leaders, some of whom had been with me for a number of years, uh, that chose to step away in order to serve with Jordan. And there's a, there's a, a point of grief for me mm. at this mm -hmm. point of like, oh man, like this, this woman is a great leader. This guy, he's a great leader. And like, like Jordan's taken my people sort of thing. Uh, but in thinking and praying about it, I realized like, you know, God has promised to build his church mm. and it's our privilege to be a part of a God's work a God who owns all the cattle and all the hills, who has all these resources available to him, mm -hmm. and to release people when, when they feel like God is saying, it's really been on my heart to say yes in this capacity. And, and I still remember talking to one of, the, one of the leaders, Paul Morrison, who's a part of the North Church Plant, and, and talking with him, thanking him for what had been six, seven years of leadership and youth ministry, and just saying, like, Paul, I wanna, I wanna champion you and your wife Amanda and, and all, all of those who are part of this core team because you know what, it would be easy to just stay here at Emmanuel Southbury. There's familiarity, there's a nice big building, there's resources, you've got family here. And the testimony that you're demonstrating to your kids, to those around you in the church, to your, your community, to say, yeah, we'll be a part of a church in a, in a movie theater or now in a school gym. 
that is not always super convenient. It's not always easy, but this is where God's at work and this is where he's bringing new life and this is where he's fulfilling his kingdom promise. And we're gonna say yes to that, even though it's new and in some ways it feels out of our control. That's so beautiful. And the best thing I can do, instead of saying, well, I want this from you, is to say, I see what God is inviting you into. And Mm. so I wanna release you into that. I don't wanna try and dictate or control what God is doing. I wanna strap a jetpack on you and (laughs) say, be ambitious for the kingdom of God and what he'll do. And I will trust in my own context and setting that God will raise up the right men and women to lead in your set. And and God totally did that. So it could have been rivalry in that case for you if you Mm. held on to a bit of bitter spirit, Mm -hmm. you know, or a jealousy that, hey, why why are you, Jordan, stealing my people? You could have held on to that. Mm-hmm. And that then would have been a divisive thing. Yeah. But instead of that, you took the high road and the gospel-focused road, right? And, and Jordan's doing awesome things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's beautiful to see what God's doing there. So, so some of that uh, handling this well mm-hmm. in a godly way is to recognize God provides for yeah. our mm-hmm. needs. And yeah. uh, he owns the cattle on the thousand hills, as yeah. we so often remind ourselves from Scripture. And so he will meet our needs, and he's raising up other leaders in, in their mm-hmm. the, the place of those who've moved on. And... Um, simultaneously, we have to recognize that sometimes God in all his sovereignty and his goodness actually will leave us with, he's meeting our needs as their true needs, but we feel these felt needs that are left. So that in this case, for example, it could be entirely possible to send out those six youth leaders and come into the next two, uh, a year, two, three, four years of youth ministry at a deficit of youth leaders and be struggling in that program and saying, Ah, mm. we sent all these youth leaders and now we're paying the price. That could happen. It mm. does happen. Yeah. And that's not God failing us. That's not God like saying, I don't know, guys, I got no one else to send you. <laughs> uh, he has all the resources in the world and he can raise up the resources from the dirt if he mm. wants to. But, but I think then the key is also to recognize that we need to continuously find our full satisfaction in the Lord. Mm. And sometimes the, the resources are limited and we feel like there's not enough to go around. Mm. God says, you have what you need. Yeah. I've given you everything you need for my calling in your mm. life. And, but my calling in your life right now is to wrestle with being in want. Mm. Uh, you know, the Apostle Paul said, I know what it means to be in plenty and in want. Yeah. Sometimes we will be in want mm-hmm. of resources. Uh, but in those moments to be able to say, ah, but it's through what we have in our relationship with Christ mm. and through the promises that are ours and that are unshakable that our souls can find satisfaction, even if we're in want of some sort of a resource. Yeah. And that'll help us to be at peace as well. Yeah, it's interesting looking in the, in the story here of Abram and Lot, and it does literally say there was quarreling mm-hmm. among Abram's herders and Lot's. But thankfully, verse 8 Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me and between mm-hmm. your herders and mine. We are close relatives. Is not the whole land before you. So Abram recognized that there had to be a change made. Yeah. They, they couldn't stay in this rift. Even though they did separate, in relationship, they couldn't stay that way. Um, so let me read uh, something from Philippians 2, which I think is so helpful. I'm thinking of, before Philippians 2, I'm thinking of the psalm. Um, how sweet it is when brothers dwell together in unity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's that beautiful picture. Oil running Oil down. Oil running down. It's Aaron's kind of weird, beard. but it's true. Yeah. <laughs> Think of it as a really hot summer day and somebody douses you with a bucket. Yeah, there you go. It's refreshing. <laughs> there <you> go. <laughs> the dew on Mount Hermon, that's a picture we can, yeah. But look at Philippians 2, the very beginning. Before we see in Philippians 2 the example of Christ mm-hmm. and how he is an example to us, before we see that, 
Uh, notice the language of unity and togetherness in these verses. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing, there's two more words there, in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by, by how? Paul says, by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. And here's an, a, a concept that helps us in this text. Mm -hmm. Therefore, uh, rather in humility, value others above yourselves. Yeah. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. There's a submission here, mm -hmm. which I think Abram really lived that out for us. You go left, I'll go right. You take the pick. Yeah. yeah. And he submitted to Lot taking the better land in a sense. That's right. Mm -hmm. When he, he actually had right to it. Right. The older. He had the right to claim it. The older right. and the one who received the, the promises of God mm. directly. Right. Lot's ability to participate in those promises is by extension through his relationship with Abram. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, Lot had every right to, to say, this is for me. The best mm -hmm. is mine. But he didn't. Yeah. You're exactly right. But Philippians there is so beautiful in reminding us of the, the Trinity, the unity of mm -hmm. the Trinity and our relationship to the Lord. Yeah. And that's our basis for being the same with other believers. Yeah. So maybe we'll just leave it there for today. And I'll leave us with one more uh, little reminder from the book of Matthew, Matthew 5. Josh, you referenced this on Sunday. Um, consider here the blessings of being these kinds of people who even when sometimes we divide, we still reconcile for the, the beauty of the sake of the kingdom. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And blessed are, verse nine, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. So this is our calling today and always. Let's be these this kind of people for God's glory. God bless you, we'll see you next time. For more episodes of these podcasts, find us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Emmanuel Plus on YouTube.